Well, just bow our heads in prayer and uh, we shall begin. Our gracious God, our God of mercy and compassion, we pray that you would speak to our hearts and minds this evening. May your Holy Spirit touch our hearts and move our thoughts to take on board what you have for us this evening. That you put our thoughts into action. Our Lord, we lift our hearts to you. Help us to become more like Jesus in every way. Amen. Well, tonight we're continuing our series called Lord, Please Make Our Church. Dot, dot, dot. And we've been looking at the values of our church, which are, which you all know, if I come over here in the light, sort of, yeah, which are, what's the first one? Faithful, second one, adventurous, and third, don't look over there. <laughs> Should have these off by Pat, but okay, compassionate. And enduring, faithful, adventurous, compassionate, and enduring. Now, we've looked at being faithful, disciples of Christ. We've looked at being adventurous, disciples of Christ. Tonight, we're going to look at being compassionate, disciples of Christ. And next week, Stuart's going to finish the series, well, almost finish the series of being enduring, which we look forward to. So, compassion is a call to live, well, Jesus's, sorry, living Jesus' call to love. Stuart's words. Living Jesus called to love. <laughs> yeah, that's a good description. But what is compassion? And what is at the heart of compassion? Two questions I want to look at tonight. We can define compassion this way. That's the feeling of deep sorrow for another person who is stricken by misfortune. It's accompanied by a strong desire to alleviate the suffering that person is experiencing. Compassion is an expression of love. When we're confronted, confronted by people who are suffering or when we're confronted by people who are vulnerable. But basically love is at the heart of compassion. Compassion stems from love. It flows from love. And a consequence of compassion is that it produces actions, it produces acts of kindness and mercy. In the Old Testament, we learn, is that what that is? Is that the, that the thing? That's the thing, right. That's the, I'm sorry, Stuart. I didn't realise, oh, forgive me. It's the fonts comic sans and something that's kind of verboten in Stu's world, but I didn't appreciate that. So I don't know what's in, anyway. <laughs> but he, in the Old Testament, we learn that our God is a, is a gracious and compassionate God. And that's a refrain that we see frequently throughout the Old Testament. There you go. In the New Testament, <laughs> he's relieved. In the New Testament, God's compassion is reflected in Jesus' ministry to people who are seen to be helpless, sick, hungry, and lost. But note also that we see that Jesus' compassion was not based on or limited to people's prior repentance or on having a prior relationship with him. It was unconditional. He had unconditional love for people, no matter who they were. And as an example of the measure of the compassion of God, we only need to look at, for example, Luke 15, which is the parable of the lost son. 
And just in a quick recap, we didn't read it because it's a fairly long story, but two sons and the younger son asked for his uh, father's inheritance before his father died, which is a huge insult in those times. And he went off and he wasted it all, spent it all. He came to a point of repentance and returned to his father back home. But here we see the compassion of God. We see the picture of his loving father waiting expectantly as for his son to return. And as he spots his son coming down the road, his heart goes out to his son who was lost. And you know what that father does? He runs. He runs down the road to greet and embrace his son, his son who was lost. And you know something? In that culture, for an old man to run was an act of indignity. Older people walked slowly, purposely. But to run with enthusiasm and joy with a heart of compassion, that was just something that just was not done. But that reflects the heart of God, God's heart of compassion. And it and it's also says something about how God has a heart of compassion with us. He accepts us when we repent and return to him. And he wraps his arms around us as his precious, beloved children. Now as we move on through the New Testament, the New Testament writers also expect us to follow Jesus' example and make compassion an integral part of our lives. We are disciples. We're followers of Jesus. And so we need to express compassion, understand what compassion is all about. But what I want to explore tonight is the question of what is at the very heart of compassion? And when Stuart asked me to speak on this topic a few weeks back, a phrase kept running through my head. And it took a while to sort of figure out where it came from. And that phrase is, Lord, break my heart for what breaks yours. Lord, break my heart for what breaks yours. It's actually, doesn't come from the Bible. <laughs> it's actually a line from a song that was sung by Casting Crown, a group called Casting Crown some time ago. And uh, later on, it was also sort of wrapped up into a song from Hillsong. But it captured for me what it means to be compassionate. Break my heart, Lord, for what breaks yours. And in that, uh, that regard, we're going to watch a video. If Paul can do the magic up in the back there, we'll, uh, we'll play that video. I don't need to press that, do I? No. song is called The Friend of the Poor. Been there.
don't know how many times I've watched that video, but every time it stirs me. There's some confronting images there. But the words that's of the song that really caught my attention were these words. Oops, it's getting dark, it's getting late. It's cold outside the rich man's gate, and I'm wondering, do you have any friends around here? It recalls the image uh, of Lazarus, the beggar Lazarus, begging for scraps of food outside the rich man's gate. Darren read that passage to us earlier from Luke 16. Alone, destitute, exposed to the elements, did anyone care about Lazarus? It was Mother Teresa who once said that the biggest disease today is not leprosy or cancer. It's the feeling of being uncared for, unwanted, of being deserted and alone. So as I reflected on that line, Lord, break my heart for what breaks yours. I reflected on the things that break my heart. The things that break my heart. And my heart breaks when I care about people. And my heart breaks the most for the people I love the most. I get upset and I want to act when I see things that affect the well-being of the ones who are closest and dearest to me. The ones I love the most, the closest ones to me, my wife, my children, my grandchildren and my parents. My heart breaks when I see them in pain, when I see them struggling with sickness with work pressures or wrestling with relationship issues. My heart goes out to them and I want to change things for them, to help them, to make things better. But my heart also breaks when I learn that members of my church family are hurting because I care and I, love, love, I care about them and I love them too. These hurts are often well hidden. And it's only as I've drawn close to them and get to know them that I discover the pain that is in their life that is maybe affecting them physically, emotionally or spiritually. And it grieves me when members of my church family are attacked or maligned for what they believe. It also grieves me greatly to see relationships within a church family or within families themselves, either broken or under great strain. As a minister, I'm often confronted, I'm sorry, I'm often spending time with people who are experiencing marriage difficulties, or with those who are grieving the loss of someone close to them. I'm aware of the loneliness that many people experience as they age and see their friends pass away. And due to increasing frailty, they become less independent, less mobile, less able to get out and about. They become more dependent on other people. I'm also aware of young families, young parents who are struggling to hold it together because they are dealing with sick children or kids who aren't sleeping properly through the night. Or that they have children 
who, as they grow up, continue to push their buttons. Having worked in the secular world for nearly 20 years, I'm also aware of the challenges and pressures involved in the workplace and of the demands of time and energy that are placed on people to perform. I'm also aware of many people who are facing financial pressures and their capacity to service large mortgage loans or other loans or even sometimes just affording the basics of everyday living. You know, the list can go on. But these are all things that break my heart. And I know that God, God's heart breaks too when he sees his children struggling with, this, with the challenges of life. You know, when you love somebody, when you care about them, you want to help them. And often, sometimes the best thing you can do is to sit with them and pray with them. Reassure them that God knows what they are going through. That he's there with them, present with them. And that his heart is breaking for them too. As he sees them struggle with the situations they are facing. God knows. He does understand. In um, Matthew 22, the second passage read to us, we are commanded to not just love God first and foremost, but we're commanded to love our neighbour as ourselves. It's not an option. We're to love our neighbours. And then in 1 John 3, let's see, we are commanded, encouraged to love one another. I just want to read that passage to you because uh, it's, it's a great little passage. Uh, 1 John 3, 11 to 18. not sure what the page is, but I'll read it. But this is the message you have heard from the beginning, writes John. We should love one another. Do not be like Cain who belonged to the evil one and murdered his brother. Why did he murder him? Because his own actions were evil and his brothers were righteous. Do not be surprised, my brothers and sisters, if the world hates you. We know that we have passed from death to life because we love each other. Anyone who does not love remains in death. Anyone who hates a brother or sister is a murderer. And you know that no murderer has eternal life residing in him. This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. That's a tough call. If anyone has material possessions and sees a brother or sister in need but has no pity on them, how can the love of God be in that person? Dear children, let us not love with words or speech but with actions and in truth. This is how we know that we belong to the truth and how we set our hearts at rest in his presence. I'll stop there. Love one another as Christ, as God has loved us and given his life for us. When we fulfill those commands, we express compassion. 
And as I said before, love is at the heart of compassion. Compassion flows from us. It flows from love and we are willing to love, to care. But it's something we need to consciously do. We recognise needs. And then, because of our love, we become willing to give of our time, talents and treasures to express our love, for our love in action and to change situations. And this is to express Christ's love to those in need. Compassion is the avenue which God's, by which God's love, God's healing, spiritually, emotionally, physically, come to those in need. And we don't have to go far to find people in need in our community. The images in that video are a world away. There are people, but there are people all around us in this community who are spiritually poor, people who need to meet Jesus, people who need to find new life in Jesus, living for him as his disciples. There are people around us who are struggling with illness or disability or with the effects of advancing age, and they need our help, they need our care, they need our love. And then there are people who are confronted by the challenges of raising children, who are facing marriage difficulties or even breakdown. And you'll find, as you look around, as you get to know people, that there are many people around us who are lonely, depressed, grieving. And these people may be our next-door neighbour. They may be our friends or work colleagues, people we rub shoulders with day in, day out. So what we need to do is to spend time getting to know people, drawing close to them, learning to love them so that we can discover for ourselves where their needs are. And then we can minister to them out of love, out of Jesus' love, just in the same way that God loves them. And our compassion will flow from our love for people. But there is another area that breaks the heart of God. God loves people and his heart breaks when people suffer through poverty, persecution, violence and injustice. And when we're confronted by the magnitude of these problems, we can feel overwhelmed. And we tend to back away thinking it's just all too big for one person or even one church to make a difference. Pictures of that slum in the video with the uh, Kibera slum in Nairobi. A million people living in those sorts of conditions. We may get frightened of the magnitude of the problem. We get frightened of loving and caring. But I'm reminded of the story of the little boy who was on a beach. I think Stuart Grant shared this story a while ago, but it's worth repeating. And this beach was just covered with thousands of starfish who had been washed up and were left stranded on the beach. And they were on the beach, slowly dying, being baked by the hot sun. And there was this little boy who was picking up a starfish 
and he threw a star, the starfish back in the water and then he picked up another one and he threw that back out in the water, into the water. And then he bent down and picked up another starfish and threw that into the water and he kept doing that. But there was a man who was walking along the beach at the same time and he saw what the little boy was doing. And he asked the boy why he was wasting his time throwing back the starfish. There was just so many there. He wasn't going to be able to save them all. And it would, what he was doing would just make no difference. But the little boy reached down and picked up yet another starfish. And as he threw it into the water, he said, but it will make a difference to that one. One starfish at a time. One person at a time, one child at a time. It does and will make a difference. The expression of compassion leads to action. Just as it does with my family, with my church family, compassion involves doing rather than just saying. And you know, this is really scary stuff. It's risky, it's challenging, and it may require courage and being prepared to step out into the unknown you know it's it's much safer and easier just to give a donation rather than engaging with people in need and letting your heart be broken by what breaks God's but this is what it means to be a Christian believer a Christian disciple it's all about relationships we have a relationship with our Lord and Saviour. And we are commanded to love him with all our heart and mind and soul and strength. But we're also commanded to love our neighbour and to love one another. And this, this can only be done when we are in a relationship with those other people. And you know what? God will always give us the strength the ability, the time, the talents and the resources to do what he calls us to do. He will equip us. And he will not overwhelm us or exhaust us because he loves us. And he's promised to provide everything we need to do his will. However, if we're, we are willing to let our hearts be shaped by God's heart, we have to know what is important to him, what matters to him. And we can only do that by reading his word, learning about God's heart and by letting his Holy Spirit change our heart. And as we do, we will then begin to understand the things that break God's heart. And this may mean that we find ourselves around people who are unhappy or miserable, or grieving, or depressed, despairing. And we may need, we may be called to walk with them through their sorrows, or in their anger, or in their despair. And it may be seriously uncomfortable and unpleasant choosing to allow our hearts to hurt like God's heart. And yet one of the things we learnt visiting the poor in Africa 
And it's a principle that applies just as much here in Oran Park as it does in the third world. It's that we can bring hope and joy into a person's life just by sitting with them, listening to their story, treating them with respect and dignity, sharing the love of Christ with them and reassuring them that there is a loving Heavenly Father who does love them, who knows what they're experiencing and who has opened the way for them to enter into heaven for eternity. We can bring hope and joy into a person's life. There's a lot in the New Testament about experiencing joy in the midst of suffering. We spent time last term in Philippians. Paul's in prison. He'd experienced all sorts of unpleasant things. And yet through all this, he rejoiced. He was joyful. He knew the joy of the Lord. And then when you read letters like 1 Peter, we see that suffering will lead to joy, eternal joy. This next video sums it all up very well for me. And it's called There Is Always a Song. And let's listen to that if I can get this to happen.
words of that song are on the screen. The message is that even though we often struggle to find the right words, or we struggle to know what is the right thing to do or the appropriate thing to do in a situation, we can bring hope and joy into people's lives by showing them Jesus' love and compassion and sharing with them the words of eternal life. And these words are like a song sung over a person and sung into their hearts, causing them to sing for joy. And we know that when a person turns to Jesus, that there is rejoicing, there is singing in heaven. We too can make a difference, one person at a time. Whether it's your next door neighbour or your friend, whether it's sponsoring a child, writing to them, engaging with them. Share Jesus' love. That makes eternal an eternal difference. But it can change hearts and minds. It can change families. It can change communities. So Lord, please break our hearts for what breaks yours. Help us to be open and willing to let God work in our hearts, to become compassionate as individuals and may we be known as a church of compassion. Simeon has recorded this prayer. We're going to close with uh, this prayer. I think that's going to work. Is that working? One more click. It's always one more click. Questions?
Q&A. Do you have any questions, comments? Forgot to say there'll be Q&A at the beginning, but anyway. Questions? Get off, Jeff. <laughs> yep. Okay, that's fine. We went back <laughs> four times. Uh, the question was, what do we do in response to seeing that sort of thing in Africa? Um, yeah, it took us on a journey, uh, quite a journey over a few years. And uh, we were able to share that experience with taking by taking groups of people from our church. And... Uh, most people said, I don't know what to do. I'm not a doctor. I'm not a sort of somebody who can sort of work in that situation. But the thing that just kept coming back and back is sit with people, listen to their stories, treat them with respect and dignity, share Jesus' love with them, pray for them. Makes a difference, huge difference. It was just a massive paradigm shift for me when, when um, our compassion escort in, in Nairobi when we were just walking out of one of those slums and he said that to me I thought I didn't get it until then I didn't get it just our mere presence of a rich white westerner who's, who's travelled halfway around the world to come into one of those slums to walk through heaven only knows what and those, those images of those kids that water that was probably sewage no, that, that was the that's the state of those places. That's what they live in. It's no wonder kids die. Um, and to actually go into their homes, and we saw that little old lady with the you know, little hut. No, that was the kitchen she was sitting beside. Uh, touches you. Touches your heart. And you feel, I'm helpless. I don't know what to do. And just the, it was a privilege sitting with people, sharing with them, getting to know them. And each time we went back, you know, we just, in the community we were working with, the church we were working with, we just engaged them a little bit more each time. They got to know us, we got to know them. The relationship built and deepened. And as time progressed, we were able to learn more of what their real needs were, needs that we could actually help with. And uh, that was, um, it was, it was a privilege, but it was also a joy. And... And part of the journey was, it was a learning process. You know, we learnt so much, not only about ourselves, because it, <laughs> it's a huge risk in many situations to go into those places, but the, the, the joy in those people who had virtually nothing except a love for Christ. It's just something which is, will always stay with me. That we've got just so much, and yet we sort of grizzle and moan and groan. But these guys just had... They lived hand to mouth, struggling to survive, and yet they had this, this peace, this joy uh, about them. It was just, yeah, it was just priceless. But it was, it was worth learning from them. We'd, I think we came away learning more than 
from them than we actually were able to contribute to them, but there yeah, was a mutual thing. And so as we, we look to engage with the Philippines, um, it's opening up a, a new door of adventure and um, uh, people who have been to both Africa and, and Southeast Asia basically say it's, it's similar. They might look different, but the needs are still there. And I think, yeah, okay. <laughs> Let me add them. Let's, let's go on. Spend some time with these people. Let's get to know them. Let's share from them. Let's learn from them. So, yeah. Did that answer your kind of question? It was a bit of a rambly story, but fantastic. Tom. All right, uh, compassion, <laughs> joy of my heart. Uh, compassion based fundamentally is an organisation which is um, uh, brings. Uh, their main aim is to bring children out of poverty. It's a Christian organisation. It's child focused, church based. They run programs which are based on around local churches, and. Um, uh, they bring the children up to 300 kids in each of their projects um, into the, the centre each week. They feed them, they teach them about Jesus, they help them with schoolwork, they help provide clothing, shoes, medical assistance and that kind of stuff. And the whole idea is that through the compassion programs, um, these kids are brought out of poverty. And I think the statistics are about 95% of that order of children who actually go through a compassion pro program, their kids don't qualify for support from compassion because compassion only take the poorest of the poor. And so it means that these kids and their families have been lifted out of poverty. And by the time, I'm sorry, and the main thing that they compassion sponsorship provides is um, the school fees. The kids are able to go to school and uh, get an education with an education that just opens the world up for them. So um, we are in the privileged position of being able to sponsor children. Um, I think it's what, $42 a month or something. And 80% of that goes directly to the kids. And uh, yeah, and, and, and Compassion A encourages letter writing, communicate with the kids and uh, it's great to see the kids writing back and um, you, you build that relationship over years with these kids. We've had the great joy of actually meeting our sponsor kids in uh, Uganda and uh, that was just an absolute thrill and the times we went back we were able to see them, how they were growing and just how that sponsorship was making a difference in their lives and uh, that's just a real joy. So. Uh, that's compassion. Can I say any more about that? No? <laughs> okay. Talk to me later if you want more information about compassion. Uh, very worthwhile organisation. They do a great job. Oh, and I should add, compassion are one of the few, um, I'll say mission organisations, that encourage people to, and facilitate people going to the field to meet the kids. Uh, and they find that people who actually... Um, go and meet the kids, see the situations they're living in, their lives are changed dramatically. And, um, and that's why they 
take great efforts to um, take sponsors, groups of people, to meet the kids, see how the projects are run, see the communities that they're living in, meet the families, visit the homes, and uh, it just changes your whole perspective on the world. And so, um, yeah, and that's why we're planning a trip next September. <laughs> there we go. Okay, over to you.